Our good friends at Johnny O welcome you to this episode. And if you've listened to Rich Take on Sports, then you know two things are important. Sharing the impact of sports in people's lives and the Johnny O clothing brand, blending those East Coast classic styles with a SoCal vibe. I've been wearing Johnny O for several years, and now you can as well with 20% off your first order by using the promo code ARICHTAKE at johnny-o.com. Live your best life with the Johnny O style and use promo code ARICHTAKE at johnny-o.com for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted built and inspired by the role of sports in their lives here's your host here's your host this is episode 139 thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen persistence is defined as the firm continuance in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition And when you look up that definition, you just might also see a picture of content incubator, president and CEO, E. Courtney Scott. From growing up in Southwest Atlanta to graduating from Florida A&M, Courtney leaned on that skill of being persistent that he learned from his dad to follow his dream of working in sports. Now with 20 years of experience in sports administration and sales and marketing, Courtney has worked with some of the largest sporting events in the Southeast, including the Orange Bowl, the Florida Sports Foundation, the NFL's Punt Pass Kick, before he founded Content Incubator, a search firm focused on bridging the gap between amateur and professional athletes by specializing in marketing and strategic partnerships, continuing education, and business mentorships. And you'll also find him serving on the advisory committee for the Winning Edge Leadership Academy. Our conversation with Courtney Scott. Courtney, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Rich. No, it's my honor to have you here on Rich Take on Sports. I really appreciate it. And thank you. I tell you, you're a man of style, though. You've got your yellow flower there. <laughs> What's the significance of the yellow flower? You know what? It's no significance. I, uh, I when I was getting dressed this morning, I said, you know what, let me add a little pop to it. Exactly. Um, I don't want to be on camera. I've seen some of the high profile or or heard some of the high profile interviews that you've done um, prior to me. And I just wanted to make sure I would be able to follow suit just in case I'm on camera. That's all. You're too kind. (laughs) You you definitely fit the bill. Again, you've got some fashion about you. Has fashion been something that you, you know, I guess gravitate towards? Yes. Ironically, you asked me that. So Growing up, my dad, my dad was heavy into fashion, and I probably started reading GQ magazines probably five, six, or seven. My dad introduced me to GQ magazines very early, and he would take me to the tailor with him when he would go get his suits tailored and altered, and we would go shopping. He would show me how to buy shoe, you know, buy suits, how they should fit, the shoes, the cut. He taught me everything about style and fashion, so I, I adopted it. Um, at a very early age. Yeah, early age. When you say early, how early? I was probably about five five or six years old. So he introduced me to GQ magazines probably when I was five or six years old. And I still get a subscription to this day. You're still loyal to GQ. Yeah, I'm huh? still loyal, still, <laughs> still, still loyal to uh, Gentleman's Quarterly. Yes, I am. I, I would tell you, though, there is something to be said about having clothes tailored for you. For the longest time, I didn't believe in 
spending the money, you know, to have you know personalized clothes, especially suits. Correct. And then once I actually had a shirt and a suit tailored just to my specific body, right. I was like, that's a game changer. I will never go back. I will invest that extra money to have a tailored suit and tailored clothes. I mean, it makes a big difference. It, it makes a big difference because I think when, when people first see you, that's your business card. Yes. And, 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 and it's sizzle. It's really not the steak. It's just sizzle. It's fluff. But people kind of judge you on your presentation. And if you can walk in the door at, at first glance and people say, aha, at least I know one thing. He knows how to present himself. But let me, him or herself, let me peel the layers of the onion back and see what's behind there. And if you have the steak to go along with the sizzle, I think you might be on the side. That's right. Well, it does make a difference. I mean, I used to be the guy that was wearing extra long, extra large shirts. I'm okay. Like, they're not even close to fitting me. <laughs> you know, and then actually getting it uh, personalized to to my body, it, it made a it, it made a world of difference. Yeah, it makes a it makes a makes a huge difference. Um, and so I, you know, I get my suits and shirts and shoes made. Um, and I like it. I like now, it. are you? What's your the uniqueness? I mean, are you a shoe guy or are you a, a suit guy, shirt guy? I mean, what's you, you the know, thing I, that you I, gravitate to? I, I think when they're all working together, I think it all works. Best. But I like I like all of them because I think you can't have one without the other. It's almost kind of like having beauty without the brain. So you need the shoes, you need the suit, everything, you know, complements each other. Yeah, it's the whole ensemble, it's the right? whole. It, it is the whole ensemble and everything, needs, your whole outfit needs to kind of shake hands and, and show some harmony. Yeah. So you talk about your dad and yeah. him getting you into fashion. So what was life like growing up for so, you? So, so I had, I probably, I tell people I probably had the best childhood. My parents, I grew up in a two-parent household. Um, my parents were married 45 years. They, wow. Yeah, they were, they were college sweethearts. Um, and my parents, I tell anybody and everybody, my parents are everything. Um, I don't do things, you know, for only two people in the world I've ever um, approval from was my mom and my dad. Um, and they would often tell me, they would often tell me, my dad died like 10 years ago, but they've always told me, son, we're extremely proud of you. So I had the best And that childhood. motivated you yeah, to yeah, hear those words? Yeah, very much so, because, you know, some people's why is money. My why is I just want to make my parents extremely proud. And happy. why do you think that that was such a big reasoning for you? Well, my parents invested everything. When I say invested, not only, not necessarily talking about money, but time, love, commitment. They... I'm the only child. I'm their only child. So they stopped everything to make sure that I was okay. They, when I told them where I wanted to go to college, they said, okay, son, we'll be able to pay for you to go. Um, anything that I've wanted to do or want they've done for me or, 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 or provided their vehicle or their vessel, vessel for me to arrive. Um, and, and, I, and the only thing they've ever asked for me was, son, just don't get in trouble. <laughs> That's all they've ever asked. And that, so did you live up to that? I've never gotten in no trouble. No trouble. I'm, I'm, I don't even watch uh, 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 law enforcement shows on TV <laughs> or jail because I'm, <laughs> it scares me. I'm just afraid what it feels like to <laughs> just watching it on TV. But yeah. Because yeah. getting in trouble would not make them proud, now, right? Listen, if that, 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 that was literally the only ask. Um, and my mom asked me, she said, Courtney, I don't want you to get an earring. So those were literally the only two asks, you know, actually three. Don't get an earring. Don't get in trouble. And Mr. and Mrs., yes, sir, no, sir, please and thank you. 
That respect factor, right? That respect factor, yeah. It's a big part of it. I'm a big believer in that as mm -hmm. well. So little things like that. Very little things. You can things. say, Mr. and Mrs. Yes, and, sir. You know, thank you. Yes, Please. sir. Yes, mm -hmm. ma'am. It's significant. And I try to instill that with our three kids mm -hmm. as well uh, because I think it does show other people that you still value the other person. Absolutely. And that's important in life. I, I, absolutely. I think, you know, you know, my dad would, because my dad was, you know, I know a lot of times in society, the dads don't get all of the credit, um, but I attribute. But they're so important. Man, I tell my mom all the time, I was like, mom, if it weren't for dad, we would have been stuck. And she said, Courtney, your dad was the absolute best. Um, but my dad instilled that. Um, that yes, sir, and no, sir, and please, and thank you. My mom echoed it. She, yeah, you know, but 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 it that really came from. Was your dad the disciplinarian? You know, of my, the two. I, my dad. I, I think I only got a whipping like two two times. I, I tell people all the time. I was, I was afraid to get in trouble. Number one, I never wanted to let my mom down, and number two, I didn't want to suffer any type of repercussions from my dad. <laughs> so, you know, you know, and that's why, that, honestly, I tell people, that's why I never got in trouble. I never wanted to see my mom cry and I never wanted to see what was on the other end with my dad. You know, I think my dad probably, probably got a spanking whooping maybe twice in my life, maybe, I think maybe twice, that's it. But it was just that my dad didn't have to, I knew. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you definitely know. Yeah, my dad now, was everything. Did your parents, did they have a two-parent household yes, both that of, yes, modeled yes, everything that, yeah, yeah, for yeah, them yeah. to be parents. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, my uh, both of my parents grew up in two parents household. Two parent household. My grandparents were married on my mom's side. Were married about fifty, sixty years before my grandfather died. On my mom, on my mom's side, was fifty, sixty years. On my dad's side, fifty, sixty years. So, I think that helped out a lot. Um, and my dad. You know, kind of knew his role. My That's mom right. knew who knew that. You know, knew, they both knew each other's role, and and it worked. It it worked for me. It worked and. You know, I guess that's probably one of the reasons why I value them so much. That, for sure. I, you know that, that my parents mean absolute more than anything to me. What about sports? Was sports something that was big in your family? You know what? Ironically, sport. I was. I played baseball, right? And so. Um, I love playing baseball, but my dad was my dad was a realist. He was like, "Son, you know it's very difficult to make it to the professional ranks in baseball." So I always was that a dream that you wanted to do that, or have you you know kind I of vocalized I, that? Yeah, yeah, you're not really that. That wasn't high on the chart because I grew up in my neighborhood. I grew up around successful. Um, African people or black people that didn't play sports. So we had Maynard Jackson, Andrew Young, um, Shirley Franklin, um, Marvin Arrington, Dr. Benjamin Elijah, Elijah Mays, um, Hank Aaron's first house was around, was right down the street. And he probably lives for like five or ten, five minutes from my parents' house now. So I was able to see uh, people do things other than play sports. Sports wasn't the only way well, out, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the, you know, it, you know, I was brought up around a lot of people who were academics, you know, academic, who were working in the academia field, you know, where they, you know, teachers, professors, um, people, a lot of people had most of the, my mom has an advanced degree. So I grew up around that entrepreneur, you know, my, even though my parents, I grew up in a traditional household, I got to see an amalgamation or amalgam of different Things, educators, doctors, lawyers, ball players, everything, entrepreneurs. So very I, diverse, extremely diverse. So when my dad told me that, 
I was like, okay, because I'm seeing all the different examples of, you know, what I want to be. But sports was big. And sports was big. Sports was big. And I really, baseball was my thing. I think baseball is probably one of the sports. Maybe baseball, tennis, and golf are probably the three sports that don't discriminate based on size. Because if you can... Oh, that's right. If you can hit that ball, the golf ball, <laughs> 400 yards straight, exactly. you know, you know, you just got to lift some weights. <laughs> oh, you don't know how many times I've been out on the golf course and I've had a 17-year-old out bombing me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I you know, same that. thing with tennis. You know, you don't have to be six feet to play tennis. You don't have to be, you know, um, same golf, tennis, or baseball. You don't have to be. If You just got to be extremely skilled and 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 and, and well versed in the sports and have a high IQ. What position did you play? I played a couple of positions. I played uh catch catcher. Catcher? Yeah, I surely did. That was that was my favorite. I <laughs> played you talk about size, you don't yeah, yeah, seem yeah. like you could play catcher. Yeah, I played catcher and I played like uh shortstop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, saying you, you look like the prototypical shortstop type yeah. of guy, not yeah. catcher. Yeah. Which yeah. position did you like the most? Initially I like catcher, but it toward the end of my career I like this shortstop because I was able to move and I like that. Yeah, I like shortstop. Yeah, yeah. Then from there, just uh, for pr- perspective, the goals that you started setting for yourselves, uh, like going to college or owning your own business, what were some of the goals that you started, you know, calculating in your head? Yeah. So my parents never forced me. Their thing was, you know, just do the right thing and be respectful. So they never forced me to go to college. But you know, sometimes we are what we eat, and so I knew my parents went to college, and I've always, you know, from that. Having that HBCU experience, um, I've all I graduated from Florida A and M, so I knew I wanted to work in sports at a very young age because there was somebody in the neighborhood, somebody lived right next door to my parents who played professional basketball. Right when I and this was before I was born, and I was kind of interested. And you remember who that was? Yes, it was uh, Paul Silas. It was, and, and so. Um, and I used to go to the games when he was a coach. I used to go to those, you know, those games. Um, when I was a little kid, and I said, I can't play. I probably won't be able to play in the NBA, <laughs> but I want this experience. And, and that's what kind of drove me. So I knew a couple of things. Some people say you don't need to go to college or whatever, and that's fine. But for me, I knew I studied how things work, and I knew people meet their business partners in college. Oh, the connections you make in college mm-hmm. can last a lifetime. That's I've got some of my best friends mm-hmm. from college, and actually – that we've actually started businesses together, right? As right. Well, and, and so you know, when when you hear people talk about the, you know, the different schools, hey, you know, this school has a very good medical program, or these the school turns out a lot of strong business. What it is is those people reach back and help one another. And so I said, you know what, I'm a, I'm, I'm number one. I knew I wanted to go to college, but I'm obviously I'm going to graduate as well. But I knew that the most important thing to me that was paramount was meeting my business partners and forging those lifetime relationships. Because I figured we're going to be in class four years together. We're going to be in school four, four and a half, five years. Okay, this is going to be my interview. Like if we want to do a deal, us going to class, hanging out, studying, riding home, riding back wherever we're going on our vacations, whatever. This is my interview. So if you ever become the CEO of a Fortune 5 or Fortune 100 company and I need something, we've already done the interview while we're in college. And that's how... If, oh, that's right. If, if, if you think about how... Um, so, so obviously Adam Silver is the commissioner of the, uh, the NBA, but you know Lisa Bord, he went to Duke. Lisa Borders, who was the WNBA commissioner, went to Duke. And I need all these different things 
you know, hold hands. And, and I've, always, right. I've always looked at it like that. Yeah, it definitely is. Why Florida A&M? So what happened, my mom, my parents told me, I said, Courtney, we're going to your cousin's graduate. We're going to uh, your cousin's graduation. I said, okay. So I was 13 at the time. And I didn't, you know, you really didn't know anything about college. So we pulled up on, uh, we got there. I said, are we almost there? You know, the little kid story. Are we there yet? Are we almost there? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and so um, we, as we pull up, I'm starting to see, because I, I was from the fraternities and sororities. They had the wall with the different, and, I was, and, I, and then it was graduation week. So that everybody was a family. We have this place called The Set. And on the set is where everybody, like on Friday, gathers. You have your DJ, you have your vendors. By 12 o'clock, everybody's out there. But at this time, it was graduation. So I got out the car, and I've never experienced anything like that. And I said, Mom and Dad, this is where I want to go to college. And they, my mom was like, okay, baby, this is where you want to go. <laughs> Me and your daddy is seeing And my daddy said, okay, son, no problem. And, and that's how I ended up at Florida, Florida A&M. So I knew that. That was a lasting impression, right? The 13, lasting impression. So yeah. I knew from age 13, that's why I wanted to go. And I, I, I'm, that's pretty much the only place I sent an application. Is that I, right? That's the only place. And that was it. And how was your experience there? It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, because with Florida A&M, it, it reminded me of the, the neighborhood I grew up in, Southwest Atlanta. Just seeing people from diverse backgrounds. You got the best of the best here. You got the best of the best here. This person from New York, Chicago. So you learn how well, college more than anything taught me. You learn. I learned how people are from different regions. You learn the different customs, the mannerisms. Hey, everybody didn't grow up like you. They didn't grow up with their mom. And, dad. and so you learn how to understand. Some people have more economic resources than you have. That's right. Some people have less. And so you learn. So I learned so many things there. But Florida, that was the absolute best, um, one of my best, absolute best uh, experiences. It's hot down there, though. It's, you know what? Ta- <laughs> you know what we tell people? Tallahassee. Still, I know it's Tallahassee, but it's still hot. Yeah, it gets hot, but it's kind of, we tell people, like, it's kind of South Georgia, because it's right on that, <laughs> right on that borderline. And South Georgia gets hot, too. Yeah, South Georgia does get hot. It does well, get I'm hot. a little familiar with the Florida A&M. Okay. I was an assistant basketball coach at University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Oh, UMass. Yes. You, you, you guys were in the MEAC. Yes, sure okay. were. Okay. Yeah, so I've been okay. down there several times. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Uh, so I do know the Rattlers down there. You know there. the Rattlers, yes, all right. O- okay. of course. From there, what was the, I guess, the goal that you talked about wanting to work in sports? What did that look like, though? What, what were you envisioning in terms of working in sports? So, so, so since I knew I didn't have the skill set to actually play professionally, I knew I could think my way out. I had the aptitude to climb that ladder. So what happened when I was at Florida A&M, even though my parents, the backstory, even though when I was at Florida A&M, um, I knew my parents had enough money to pay for me to go without taking out any loans or anything like that. But my parents were, you know, had, dad was a postal worker, mom's teacher. I said, it has to be a better way where I can have them save that money. So I actually earned a scholarship or a co-op because my, my degree is in agribusiness, and I had the opportunity to go to the University of Florida for one year. I had part of the program. I had to go to the University of Florida for one year. Ironically, one of my high school buddies was a star on the basketball team that year, and this is when Florida went to the Final Four and went under Coach uh, Alon Kruger. This, they went oh, to yeah. the Final Four in 94. I remember that team. And, and Brian, the guy Brian Thompson, was one of the stars on the team. From there, I forced all those relationships with Dan Cross, Dimitri Hill, 
Craig Brown, all those guys. And so going there, I said, you know what? This will be a good opportunity. I'll be able to be with Brian, meet some great guys. From there, I met Craig, Craig Brown. And Craig and I forged a good relationship. And things kind of spot, you know, grew from there. And so when I, once upon I graduated, I came back to Atlanta. I just had a traditional job. Then I let that job go because I wanted another, I wanted to get a job in that, that allowed me more time for sports. So I let that job go, took another t- job that allowed me for sports. And Craig actually so happened to call me one day. He said, Courtney, I got a job. I, I, it's an it's, it's a internship. Um, I don't, I'm not going to be able to do it because Craig was coaching at University of Central Florida, assistant coaching. He said, I'm not going to do it. I got others. I said, he said, Courtney, I think it'd be a great fit for you. I said, man, Craig, pass me the information. So he passed me information, found out Charmaine Gatlin. Um, we talk about college, Charmaine with the University of Florida. So again, oh, it's all these connections. Yeah, it, yes, again, it's again, it's the network, it's the whole college thing. I go to the University of Florida for a year, forge a good relate. Brian introduced me to all his friends, his friends become my friends. Craig tells me about the opportunity. And I said, Craig, pass me the information along. So I got the information and I, w- I sent Charmaine my resume. And what I did every week was called her. And, it, you know, it, it was one of those things. This is when you had to actually physically send oh, your did. resume. That's right. You had yeah. to physically send. You couldn't email. You had to actually mail it. So I would call and ask, did she get the resume? Yes. And I would literally call her every week and ask, did I get the internship? Every week. And, my, and you know, people's response, you know, we'll call you and keep you. I called every week, every week. I even went down there and went to see her said hey i just want to come meet you i flew down there for it then came back every week i'm asking 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 and one day she i could i could see her throwing her hands up over the phone and said okay courtney you got the internship <laughs> you got it yeah, yes. yeah you hounded us enough where did that type of persistence come uh, from where did that, you learn that? that that definitely came from my dad my mom you know my dad my mom is the easy going <laughs> but my dad is the persistent Inconsistent. That is my dad. That persistence definitely came from my dad. Definitely well, again, my dad. it's those traits that you get from your parents, your parents and you see them. It's what they're modeling, and you you pick that up. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Craig helps you get that introduction. Uh-huh. You get the internship, I presume. Uh-huh. What What's the next step? Next in this step evolution, was, though. Of I, I, I getting a, into sports. I was like, man, I had told myself. I said, once I get that job. If I get if I go to my because working with the Orange Bowl because I was working with the Orange Bowl committee and at that time the Orange Bowl was a part of the uh, um, BCS um, and I said man if I get this job this internship I'm going to turn it into a job I'm not going back to it so I was on date I was I interned for thirty days and they offered me a full time job Mr. Treble Keith Treble thank you to Keith Treble even Stefan Benson Eric Pons those they invited me in. You got the job. Did you look at those type of people as one of the reasons why you want to give back and pay it forward because somebody else has given you a chance? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, when I wanted to get in sports, I I would tell Corinne all the time, there was not a path. To get in sports is really not a pathway. it, It can consist of many roles. Like if you want to be a doctor, what people normally do, they major in biology, undergrad. You take your MCAT. Okay, you apply to medical school, you get in, you do your residency, you take your test, and voila, 
it's yeah. not like that. If you want to be clear cut, it, it's, it's clear cut. If you want to be a teacher, you major in early childhood education, whatever. You take your teaching certification exam. Then the next most people get their masters. Continue. You got to click. We're getting in sports. It's no clear path, no clear runway. I mean, it's you can get your it, it's, it's just not a clear path. So. Coming when I was, I was like, it has to be a better way. And so I've always said, once I get in and I have quote unquote a little influence, I will always reach back. I will always reach back. And 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 I think you know, I, especially coming from a HBCU, um, there's a lot of talent. There are a lot of smart people, but people just don't have, you know, a lot of times that opportunity is is just. You just don't know where to get the opportunity. You're just seeking for opportunity. <laughs> I think that's a big part of it mm-hmm. is what you talked about. I mean, you can clearly define the path for some of those careers mm-hmm. that you talked about. But with sports, I think there's just so much gray area. It's so much gray. Ambiguity. Ambiguity. But there is just so much of unknown. So like, much. How, where do I even begin? Mm-hmm. And that's where people get lost, mm-hmm. you know, from that perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, I think it is important that people like you and others and like the, the winning edge leadership mm-hmm. can Absolutely. offer them a better uh, understanding of what pathways are available. Absolutely. Those people just don't know. Absolutely. And, and when I've, I had, I had been researching the winning edge for some years and I've always wanted to be involved. So somebody brought us together and what I really like with the winning edge retreat and with Corinne, Maria doing is just really, it, it, this is kind of like an incubator or a holding cell or a grooming, grooming mechanism for guys and girls to come in build some relationships, learn professional, you know, what professional development is, learn how to carry yourself, how to speak. I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic. Oh, it is. Well, and it's uh, this whole other network of connections that just, it's an extension of, say, what college you went to. Absolutely. That's one network. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the Winning Edge Leadership Academy is a whole other network. So why are you continuing really to invest your time into that? Because yeah, everybody's time is very valuable. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's just like with anything that you do, when you invest, you get back. And the get back is not always monetary, right? It can be making the ecosystem flow smoother. You know, this could be in a, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this winning edge sparks 20 or 30 other winning edges across the country. Somebody may be sparked by the idea because, you know, even with the advent of the Internet and the internships are, you know, kind of are now more robust. They're, again, there's still not a clear cut path. And you really have to understand people. I think the younger guys getting in sports now have to understand the dynamics and mechanics of how this works. And the earlier you can start, you know, the better. Um, it can be like I know a lot of times guys want to major and get a get a master's in sports management. What I found through my research, even if you just get an MBA, you may work in fight. You may get your MBA in finance or marketing or whatever the case may be. You can, those skills are trans. You can trans those skills can cross the line and you can work for a sports team. But it's just still not a clear cut way. Agreed, one hundred percent. How important is it also? not only to like with the winning edge right to showcase some opportunities some pathways but also to be that mentor to all you know teach that 
it doesn't happen overnight. It's going to be a grind. And these are the things that you're going to have to do to be successful, like being persistent, mm-hmm. being professional, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. How, how important is that's that a, that's aspect very, of it as well? Very, one of the things I tell people all the time, for me to get in sports, I lived at home with my parents. I was about 30 years old. You know, and now yeah, that's my, not always glamorous. It's, right? it, 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 it's, it's not glamorous. <laughs> now, 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 mind you, my parents were, you know, my, you know, my mom was baby, but my dad didn't understand what it was. But he was like, okay. And I tell people, you know, and, and, and seeing all your friends graduate from college making eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand, everybody else is not saying that. What, but and you're over here trying to get it. It takes. It doesn't happen overnight. You may hit the sport. I tell people, you. Some people do they, hit the. They do. That's some right. people do hit the sports jobs lottery. But again, it's called the lottery because nobody ever wins it. Some people do win the sports job, the sports jobs lottery. But that is one in a million. They can come out, get the job they want at IM, you know, IMG, you know, ESPN, you know, get the, you know, business. Some, but it is rare. It is very hard. It's, it's almost like going to the Atlantic Ocean, just sticking your finger in the water and pulling out a needle. It, it rarely ever happens. It takes a lot of persistence. You're going to get told no. Way more than you get told yes. People are not going to call you back. They're not going to look at your resume because it's so many people. The it's so many people that want to be in sports, but they're just not. The opportunities are not there. Um, and you really, I tell people, you really, really, I mean, really have to want this um, to be. And you're not going to make a lot of money when you first start. Now, if you got an MBA in finance, okay, and you work for, we'll just say Arthur Blank, the A and B uh, family, Arthur and Blank family of businesses, and you're running the finance department or accounting department. Okay, you're going to be you probably possibly going to be paid the same thing that you may make at KPMG. But if you just come off the street and want a job, man, you may come in making thirty thousand, thirty five, maybe for you know. You're probably going to, have to do a couple of internships for free just to show people you're trustworthy because it's 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 so many people that want to do what you want to do and people can be extremely picky and nobody leaves these jobs. They don't. I know, Mr. Swafford. I've been knowing Mr. Swafford or Commissioner Swafford for probably about twenty years, and I think he had just came from. I think he was the AD of Virginia or North Carolina, one of those two. North Carolina. He was a. He was a uh, because then after him. I think Dick Bedore was an AD at Carolina. So Mr. Swaff has been AD, I mean, the commissioner of the ACC for 20 years now. I know. Yeah, that's it's something about sports. Why do you think people have this such strong desire to be in sports? I mean, why are so many people in society gravitating towards sports? I, I think it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a couple of things. Number one, I think people like the quote-unquote cool factor. And the other thing... Um, even though you may not be playing in the game or participating in the sport, it still allows you a way to be connected to the sport and, and earning a living. You know, if you think about college coaches, how much money they make, you know, very rarely do will you see a coach making two or three million dollars a year saying, hey, I'm going to stop coaching. I'm going to go do something else. I think the, the coach at, uh, uh, I can't think of his name, he was at Colorado a long, long time ago when Cordell Stewart was there. I think he started Promise Keepers. I can't think yeah. of his, a bill, I can't think of his name. I think mm-hmm. he may have walked away. So you get maybe one or two, but once people are in, they don't. Because it feels too passionate. 
you get to do what you like and you're able to earn a living. Yeah, I think that it's, <laughs> it's all about can you marry your passion mm -hmm. and a, a career, you know, where you can be financially absolutely secure as well. Mm -hmm. So content incubator. Content incubator. What, what is that? So content incubator. So what I did was I, I noticed that in sports, um, everybody focus on at the athletes and we I, our firm we specifically focus on lottery picks so NBA lottery pick is someone who's going to get drafted 1 through 14 but I noticed there was nobody you know, really teaching the parents about the business of sports so I said I'm going to start content incubator and once I start I, I probably worked on it about 3-4 years before I even started started and we'll teach parent teaching parents about the business of sports everything in the name content incubator how i came up with that name was is because it's con the content is the information incubator is somewhere that stores and, and that's how i came up with the name content incubator and so what we do is we teach the parents about the business of sports how everything works from agents to agencies you know what what are, you know? What a wheelhouse advisor firms, your Merrill Lynch's, your Morgan's, we teach them every any and everything that they'll want to know about when it came when the shoe deals, you know, the CBA, you know, all of those things. And from that point, what happens is the, the, the families want us to they'll retain us to help them walk them through that whole process. Yeah, because you talk about you know a lot of people don't know certain pathways mm -hmm. you know, to get into sports. Mm -hmm. Something that's even more confusing is the business side of sports, and mm -hmm. especially for somebody that's a lottery pick that they might be coming from, uh, you know, an economic situation mm -hmm. where all of a sudden now they're mm -hmm. potentially their son going to be a millionaire. Absolutely. I mean, that's a life changing event and you can get swallowed up pretty quickly. You, I mean, I know you probably heard all of these yeah, stories. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really about, Educating the families, just basically giving them a rudimentary education as a, so they won't get um, water holes. And one of the things that what I tell parents is like, listen, you know, when you turn that, when we with the kids don't do it anymore now because they go drink bottled water. But <laughs> when you were a little kid and it was hot outside, you, you say, turn on the water. And somebody say, turn the water on a little bit more. And then it comes, hit you right in the face. That's right. <laughs> you know, and I tell parents, it's like this right now. It's really slow right now. But as you speed up, as this process speeds up, more people are going to be reaching out to you, and you don't want to um, start in a negative meaning trying to figure this out once it comes at you. So what we do is we take an approach, and we just start teaching the, the little bit of the small things, what the current athletes are doing in the in, in NBA outside of basketball. You know, what's the difference between a big agency and a boutique agency? Kind of like – you. you Basketball, there's a difference between playing at a blue blood program and a program you're still playing basketball, but it's a big difference in the two. So we explain everything and teach them, hold their hand along the way, just kind of teach them and then walk them through their process so they understand. What's the biggest struggle that you see with parents in, in terms of kind of understanding very, everything? Very good question. And we'll go back to the, uh, the doctor and be a teacher. So to be a doctor, there's certain steps you got to mm -hmm. go through. To be a teacher, you got you to go through certain steps. Parents, not all of them, but just some, think they can walk up off the street and do this. It's not that. Just because you don't have to have a license to do it, 
I mean, from the standpoint, you don't have to go to school. You don't have to take. It's still a process. Um, and some of the parents are very smart, but this business is totally different. And sometimes they think they can do it. And sometimes you have to watch and cringe and let them make that mistake. And then they'll come back and say, okay, we messed this up. And then they'll let you show them. That's probably the biggest, the biggest. So they, they think that they don't need help. They, they think they don't need help. And that's probably, sometimes that can be an impediment. It, not, sometimes it will be an impediment because you don't have the aptitude skill set. You don't know when it comes to the financial advice where to go to final reports. You don't know the difference between one of the big firms or small firms. You may not know, okay, you can go, use, go, check, go check in with the MBPA to find so many things. You don't know what you don't know. That's right. <laughs> and, you, and, and so it just looks easy. My son's going to the NBA. We're going to hire an agent. It's, it's, it's oh, way get, more. You more, get swallowed up. You, you will get swallowed up. Um, and you got to know. You, you really don't know. Sometimes, to, to speak to that point, sometimes the parents don't know the, the pluses and the deltas or what, what certain firms are good at and what certain firms are not. It just looks good and shiny without digging out of the way. So that's probably the biggest, you know, thing yeah, that I big... dislike. You know, sometimes the parents think they know and I sit back and I'm like, this is all I do every day. Before I came here, to, you know, for this interview, I was, you know, reading on some of the, you know, trends. So this is what all I, all I do every day. But sometimes you got to let people make their mistakes and Come back and hug. That's them. right. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, know I, I tell my kids too that yeah, I, when I'm talking to you, it's not from a perspective that I'm talking down to you. It's just that I've lived life longer than you, Absolutely. so I'm trying to talk to you in terms of. I can tell you that's a hot stove. You don't want to touch you it. You don't want to touch <laughs> you know, it. But Absolutely. they'll still go touch it. They'll still go touch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What continues to motivate you? You know, what? I, I think um, I, when I think what, what continues definitely to motivate me you just know it's always something behind that door meaning educating a parent or, or, or their parent or parents about their son uh, being able to impart wisdom um, with them and teach them about certain things that's always it's kind of like you know I'm a runner so you know just because I ran yesterday doesn't mean I don't have to run today because just keep me is I'm, I'm the thing is I know I'm gonna stay in shape and with the parents when they know um, I see them learning, and they're able to share with different parents. I, I really get a kick out of that. Again, being persistent being with that, Being persistent, right? yes, sir. What about some words of wisdom? Do you have any phrases, mottos, quotes, or just life advice? Uh, you know what? I, you know, you? one of the things that I, that, that, uh, that I always tell parents when they think it's overwhelming, a phrase that I always hear and I've heard and I'll use it is, you know, inch by inch is a cinch, and mile by mile is going to take a while. So if you just, if we're trying to cut this whole table up in a hundred different pieces, let's not look at how big it, let's just start on that end, just do a little bit, a little bit today, a little bit today. And next thing you know, you'll, you'll have it uh, uh, under control. What I also tell people is, so I want to ask that, I use the um, example of BlackBerry and iPhone. At one point in time, the BlackBerry was leaps and bounds ahead of the iPhone, but due to Blackberry stubbornness as a, just want to create a unilateral device and make it only business. Apple listened to the consumer. They had the iPod. They basically put a phone on an iPod and they made it where you can do business and pleasure. And slowly but surely, iPhone consumed the marketplace. And Blackberry pretty much became obsolete 
because you didn't change with the time. So I always say, hey, you know, we may think we want to do something one way, but let's always stay ahead of the, the, the curves and trends. So those are two examples I always give people, you know, inch by inch is a cinch. And I talk to them about, you know, when we don't change and innovate, you know, sometimes you will get left behind and, and, and it, it will become virtually impossible to make up for that ground. That's right. You have to be able to evolve. You got to be able to evolve. There, you're absolutely correct. Courtney, thank you so much. Thank you so I much for having really me. appreciate it. Thank you very much. You can never really put a true value on going to college because the connections you make there are most often even more valuable than the degree itself. And as Courtney has demonstrated, that value really comes from being intentional and persistent with those people and those connections throughout your life. Now that finishes episode 139, and you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Thanks for listening.